What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am Hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer, and you're listening to the newest episode of Captain's Quarters, which is my weekly gaming update show where I cover my favorite news topics from the past week, discuss what I've been playing, give you guys some tips on what I've been playing, as well as my decree of the week. So let's not waste any more time and dive right into this week's episode with my news catch of the week. So guys, this past week, nothing stood out to me more news-wise, announcement-wise, than finally getting a new confirmed release date for The Last of Us 2. That's right, guys. The infamous game that continuously gets delayed. Uh, I think this was the third release date that we've been given for The Last of Us 2 since its initial announcement. But uh, we finally have a concrete date, hopefully. The Last of Us 2, June 19th right before Father's Day. So those fathers out there, if you're looking for a gift for Father's Day, probably a good selection. Uh, but I got to say, I'm very excited. I am hopeful that this release date actually sticks and I cannot wait to get to it. Absolutely loved the first game. Those of you that may be listening that have not played the first game for whatever reason, uh, hey, you now know the time frame that you have to play through it and get that story locked in before starting the second game. Got about a month and a half now. So I would highly recommend checking that game out, the first one. Uh, but because of The Last of Us 2's new release date, it in turn affected another Sony exclusive title that was Ghost of Tsushima. Another amazing looking title that I'm extremely excited for. Now that game was originally slated to come out at the end of June. I want to say it was the 26th of June, a week after The Last of Us 2's newest release date. And obviously, Sony is a business, and you don't want to cannibalize yourself, obviously, by releasing your two highest-profile games uh, so far this year a week apart. So what they did is kind of like it was before when Last of Us 2 was coming out at the end of May and Ghost of Tsushima the end of June. They just kind of separated them by a month, and now Ghost of Tsushima... Shoot, I can't even talk, guys. Ghost of Tsushima is going to be coming out July 17th. So I cannot wait for that game either. It looks so good. Uh, those of you that have played the Tenchu series from back in the day, uh, you're, you're going to be very big fans of this game, it looks like, uh, myself included. And I just want to real quick touch on, uh, this is kind of coinciding and going to really shape out what I like to call my summer of PlayStation. Every year for the past couple years, Sony ends up seemingly releasing these big games right before the summer. And it usually just kind of sucks me into my PlayStation and I end up focusing on it and all the exclusives and different things that I don't normally play over the course of a two or three month period. Uh, now, the reason I'm saying this is because typically the Xbox is my system of choice and that's where I play all multi-platform games and things of that nature. So it's just kind of interesting for me the last couple of years that the timing of these re uh, releases, these games, have just kind of happened to where it has me playing my PS4 through the summer. So I've just kind of turned to calling it my summer of PlayStation. So I would definitely say that in the months of June and July, having those two high profile titles release would definitely constitute naming it the summer of PlayStation. So that'll do it for my catch of the week this guys. Uh, this week, guys, let's uh, now go to see what I've been playing in my uh, captain's log.
All right, guys, so now we are going to open up the pages of my captain's logbook. And what have I been playing? What has been driving my gaming desires this past week? Well, I'm going to start out with a little game called Moons of Madness. Uh, I've mentioned it before. If you don't know what it is, it's an indie title. It is a psychological, horror, crazy kind of game set in the future where you play as a research uh, a member of a research team who is sent to Mars to find out if there is actual uh, life on Mars, if there is compatibility between plant life on Earth and the soil on Mars, etc., etc. Bottom line is, pretty cool game, and I actually was able to beat it this past week, so I'm not going to go into too many details on that game with you guys right now. I will save those details for my official review which is coming very, very soon. So Moons of Madness, good times, good times. All right, so one of the next games that I actually dabbled in this past week was Lego Marvel. And if you had heard me last, one of the last episodes that I had, uh, I talked about my playtime with Lego Marvel, and I have had this resurgence in my excitement around the Lego game franchise. And, uh, you know, I told you guys before, I used to love the Lego series, played every single one that came out, uh, ad nauseum, uh, to be honest with you, which is one reason why I, I, I just had to close the book on them for, for a decade. But uh, here recently, I have gotten back into them, uh, firstly with Lego Marvel. So this past week, uh, I played the next level. I uh, had a lot of fun with it. And uh, it was just a lot, of, a lot of fun playing as Reed Richards, Captain America, as well as uh, Spidey. You know, Spider-Man popped up in there, and the three of us were able to get through the next level in the story, which was uh, just a lot of fun going from rooftop to rooftop uh, throughout New York City, going through a couple of buildings. The Baxter building was one of them uh, and just having a lot of fun with it. Uh, the story is pretty cool in this game. And, you know, it's just one of those things I'm sitting there thinking like, man, I just I love Marvel. I love the characters in the Marvel Universe. They're just so awesome. Uh, and then after I finished that level, I did have a little bit more time that I spent with it with Hawkeye and Black Widow, which uh, at that point in the game are new characters that I had not yet played with. Uh, you had a pretty cool sequence with them in Times Square uh, where you had to do some things to gain access to the Oscorp building. And uh, it was a lot of fun. I just had a huge amount of fun playing it in that roughly two-hour time frame. Uh, once I got to Oscorp and it started up the next mission is where I put a pause on Lego Marvel for this past week. But that was not a pause on Lego games as a whole this past week because the next thing I decided to do was try out Lego Jurassic World. Now, if you didn't know, Lego Jurassic World is not just the first Jurassic World movie. It actually has all three of the original Jurassic Park films as well as the first Jurassic World movie. So you got four movies that you can play through. And I was very hopeful that it gave you the option, at the very least, of which one you wanted to play through first, because I really am a huge, huge fan of Jurassic Park, especially the original film. So I was very, very, very much looking forward to seeing how they did that film in Lego form. And I was not disappointed. Uh, they do start you out with a prologue chapter, which is based around Jurassic Park, the original film. And then they do give it the option. Okay, do you want to go through the Jurassic Park movies or do you want to go to Jurassic World? Obviously, I go to Jurassic Park. And I got to say, guys, it's absolutely phenomenal. As a huge Jurassic Park fan, 
as a resurgent fan in the Lego games, this just hit on all cylinders for me. I, I mean, it was just amazing. The prologue level was pretty cool. But then when you get into the actual park, you're going through the visitor center, you're exploring the grounds around the visitor center, you're experiencing these scenes that you saw on the screen now in Lego form, and they're just as effective as they were. And the cool thing is, is they actually have all the voice acting in the game is actually just clips. It's like the audio file from the movies added to, uh, you know, the lip syncing of the scene in Lego form. So you're hearing the actual voices of the actors from the films, and it's just, it's awesome. Um, you know, seeing that scene uh, where the, you know, Ellie and uh, Alan Grant for the first time see the Brachiosauruses and then are told there's a T-Rex and, you know, John Hammond says that famous line, welcome to Jurassic Park. Uh, it's just uh, the music. Oh, my God. It just hits on so many levels. Uh, and just, you know, I played through two different levels as well as a couple of in-between hub levels. And it's just so much fun. Uh, you can control some of the dinosaurs in this game. And I just, I don't know, I've thoroughly enjoyed the puzzles. I, I just, I'm absolutely in love with it. Uh, so definitely, definitely enjoying LEGO Jurassic World. So shifting gears majorly from the Lego front, uh, we're going to move to kind of a hardcore D&D RPG style of game in Pillars of Eternity Definitive Edition. Now, I'm playing on the Xbox, and for those of you that may not know, this game recently was dropped into Xbox Game Pass, uh, so obviously I could try it out for free, right? Well, it was something that I was always interested in, and back in the day, I used to love top-down action RPGs. So when I saw the screenshots and was looking at the trailer, I'm like, you know what? This actually looks pretty cool. You know, let me let me try this out. I haven't played this style of game in a long time and it's free. It's on the Game Pass. So why not? So I had installed it a while ago when it first dropped on the Game Pass. And I decided this day uh, that I was playing these Lego games. I was like, you know what? Today's just going to be kind of a mess around day and kind of a bounce around in a few different games and just kind of have fun. Right. So I did. Popped in players are Pillars of Eternity and created my character, built up the story, the background story for him as a character, chose his race, uh, where he lives and the continent and the different things going on behind the continent and the world that he came up in. And it, it was just a lot of fun creating my character. And the very beginning of it, I played for about an hour and a half. Uh, the very beginning was pretty interesting, you know, getting the understanding of how the gameplay works, how the combat works. Uh, pretty interesting. I did enjoy it. Visuals are pretty good. Um, but I will say that out of what, I'll, what all I've, I'm playing right now and with the new releases that have been coming out recently and things coming out here soon, it's not a game that's going to take precedence over others for me right now. But if there is absolutely nothing else out, I would, I would enjoy playing through it. So if you like that style of game, those action RPG, top-down, isometric perspectives, very, very much... Uh, in the vein of the D&D style of gameplay, you'll definitely want to check that out. Now, for those of you that have been following me for a while, you'll know that, man, I have just been talking about NBA 2K20 for a very, very long time, right? Been wanting to get back to it, finally got back to it, playing through the playoffs. Well, this past week, guys, I finally, finally did it. I made it through the playoffs. I made it to the finals of the Golden State Warriors. And we ended up going five games deep into the series. Ultimately, though, I ended up winning, coming out on top uh, in overtime in game five. Uh, and it was great, too, because my creative character, my My Career guy, 
at the almost at the buzzer. There were seven seconds left. We were down by three. He gets the ball, takes a three-pointer, and makes it. Ties the game with seven seconds left to go and puts us going into overtime because the Warriors inbounded the ball, ended up not making the shot, which brought us to overtime. So bottom line is it was a great ending to an amazing season, and I had not played a 2K basketball game since 2K9. So it had been over a decade since I had touched the NBA 2K game, and I am so glad that I finally decided to get back into it. Absolutely loved uh, the season that I played. I mean, you think about it, it was over 100 games I played between the 82-game season, the playoffs and the finals, and, and preseason, as well as the All-Star break games. So over 100 games, which equates to over 100 hours. I mean, I put a lot of time into that game since back in September when it first dropped. Uh, I'll probably be doing a review on the My Career Mode here soon, uh, just to put my more detailed thoughts out there for you. Absolutely love that game. So there it is, guys. I, my journey, uh, at least for one season, my rookie season, is now complete in NBA 2K20. Uh, another title that I played this past week, a new release actually, um, if you have not heard of it, it's called Daymare 1998. And what this is, this was actually a fan-made love letter to Resident Evil 2, is what it started out as. And it was basically, uh, this fan was remaking Resident Evil 2 with the gameplay style and updated graphics and things like that of Resident Evil 4. Well, Capcom pretty much came in and put a stop to it. And at that point is when they started doing their own remake. And we have what we have today. So if it wasn't for Daymare, in a sense, or at least this fan, uh, we may not even have the Resident Evil 2 and 3 remakes. But uh, And soon to be Resident Evil 4, right? If we are led to believe the rumors around Resident Evil 4 remake uh, becoming a reality. So my point is... The fan was still, you know, he put in all this work on this game, so still wanted to release something. So ultimately what happened is they ended up creating Daymare 1998, which is a pure love letter to the Resident Evil franchise, and it plays, looks, feels, and sounds just like those late 1990s uh, style, I should say, because graphically it looks a, way, a lot better than those PlayStation games. Uh, but bottom line is, it's, it's very much Resident Evil, um, just not on the same uh, budget as those games are able to get coming from uh, a publisher such as Capcom. But I, I've definitely enjoyed it so far. Some of the puzzles have been overly, uh, unnecessarily, in my opinion, infuriating. But overall, it's been an enjoyable experience. And, uh, you know, if you're a big fan of Resident Evil for 35 bucks, I would definitely recommend checking it out. Outside of that, uh, guys, if you know about remote play, on the PS Vita, yeah, that was a system that existed, uh, the the last PlayStation handheld system. But, uh, you know, we shall see, I guess. I highly doubt there will be. But the bottom line is, guys, PS Vita has a function on it where you can remote play PS4 games if you're on a Wi-Fi connection, if your PS4 is turned on and connected to Wi-Fi, etc., etc. Um, so basically what I decided to do this past week is you know, the last hour or so before I go to bed on an early night, I'll set up shop and try to see if I can sign into my PS4 and start playing some of those games that I've been backlogged on, specifically Yakuza Kiwami. And uh, at first I decided to go ahead and try out Medieval, the remake, because I was a big Medieval fan and wanted to see how it turned out. Unfortunately, it was pretty much the exact same game I played numerous times before, just with better graphics. 
So I decided to switch over to Yakuza Kiwami because uh, my friend Graveyard Gamer, if you guys have heard of him or haven't checked him out, he's got his own podcast, Spotify, Anchor, SoundCloud, just about everywhere. Uh, but he's been talking a lot about the Yakuza series to me, and I had started Yakuza Kiwami last year, but just didn't really get too, too far into it. So I decided to give it an hour and play it for an hour, and man, ah, I loved it. It's such a cool game. Uh, if you guys have not checked out the Yakuza series, highly recommended. Uh, Xbox owners, you can check it out, obviously, on Game Pass. Both Zero and now Kiwami is newly released on the Game Pass. So definitely worth checking out uh, those games. But the functionality of it was really cool. Unfortunately, I don't know what the deal was because I have the highest speed connection uh, that Xfinity offers right now. So, uh, But it was telling me on my Vita that the connection speed wasn't up to snuff. And I don't know, I had a lot of lag issues with Medieval. There were some, there were less with Yakuza uh, the next night. But uh, if, if that lag issue could be worked out and, and fixed, oh man, it would be great. Uh, but it's obviously what it seems like Microsoft's doing with xCloud and obviously Stadia uh, with the Google Stadia. But I uh, definitely enjoyed that hour and I thought it was pretty cool. Figured I'd mention it and throw it out there to you guys um, if you hadn't thought of or had forgotten about the PS Vita and the fact that they actually have been doing remote play for quite a while now. So pretty cool. But yeah, that was a pretty packed week. Uh, so extra special... A uh, large edition of Captain's Log this week, but uh, yeah, had a lot going on. So I will uh, leave you guys with that, and next we'll move on to uh, give you guys some tips and buried treasure. So, guys, I talked about Moons of Madness. This week I'm going to give you a little tip in regards to a puzzle in Moons of Madness that was absolutely infuriating, in my opinion. So, I don't mind if a puzzle is difficult because I'm personally struggling with it or trying to figure out what the solution is and can't figure it out, but the solution's right there in front of me. That's one thing. But if you're not giving me any kind of support or any kind of hint as to how to figure this thing out, I don't think that's cool. So I want to give you guys a tip. There is a certain point in the, a point in the game when you are trying to create this poison, right? There's two different points. You create the first poison, realize it's not strong enough, so then you have to create a stronger poison. Well, when you're creating the stronger poison, you have to use these test tubes and put them in a centrifuge, and you have to put the right combination, which I'm not going to tell you what the right combination is, but you have to have the right combination of test tubes. And then when you put them in the centrifuge, the game does give you the only tip uh, in regards to this uh, puzzle in this respect is, you know, they must be balanced. So, okay, balance means a certain thing to me, right? Well, bottom line is, it makes you believe that there are four test tubes that have to be used. And that's how the first poison is made. Well, the second poison, I'm going off of that same sentiment because in my opinion, if you're looking for something to be balanced, then, you know, four, two, and two, right? Well, anyways, all I'm going to say is, Think triangle. Think of a triangle. How many points are on a triangle? There's three, right? That's all I'm going to say. I don't want to spoil too, too much for you guys, but just, just keep in mind the shape of a triangle and how many points it has and the fact that it's three. So that'll do it for my buried treasure tip this week. Uh, let's go see what my captain's decree is this week. So guys, this week... I've talked about two different Lego games in my captain's log. And my decree this week is to loud and clear say Lego games are good games. 
Yes, I said it. I know they get a lot of flack from a lot of people. And yes, I know that they're, especially for a while, they were oversaturating the market. There was just too many of them. I'm actually indulging and appreciating that now because me and my wife actually are able to play through multiple Lego games at very cheap prices uh, and thoroughly enjoying it. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, these are solid experiences, guys. They are very fun. Uh, They actually have a decent uh, puzzle structure set up to them. They have uh, a lot of great levels and and different areas to explore. And there's just a absolutely ton, uh, absolute huge amount of content in every single one of these games. Uh, I just think they do everything perfectly as far as trying to stay true to the source material that they're replicating. So in all of the Lego games I've ever played, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean, Marvel superheroes in, in Jurassic World and Park now, they've always stayed extremely true to the source material. And that is the key, I think, is the fact that they show a certain sense of love and respect and appreciation and adoration for these properties that they're making these games around. And, you know, I I think that when you really look into it and think about it, it's like, man, they actually, there's a lot of work here that goes into making these things. And, you know, it's, I mean, hey, I can speak from experience back in the day. It it takes some time if you're trying to 100% these games. So the bottom line is, guys, Lego games are good games. Don't don't just write them off uh, because they're Lego or, oh, they're easy. Uh, Yeah, I mean, if you're just playing through, and that's fine if that's where you get your fun out of it. But there's, there's actually a lot to really like about Lego games, even if you're just playing through and uh, playing the story. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's always a lot of fun. And I can't wait to see what other Lego games they continue to come out with in the near future. So that'll do it for this week's episode. I hope that you guys enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer, and I look forward to hearing from you. Join the crew by reaching out to me via email at lostatseagaming365 at gmail.com or through social media on Instagram at lostatseagaming and on Twitter at lostatseagamin1. Again, thanks for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.